those days, John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness of Judea, proclaiming, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is the one of whom the prophet Isaiah spoke when he said, the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Now, John wore clothing of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then the people of Jerusalem and all Judea were going out to him and all the region along the Jordan, and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many Pharisees and Sadducees coming for baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit worthy of repentance. Do not presume to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our ancestor. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. Even now, the axe is lying at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand and he will clear his threshing floor and will gather his wheat into the granary, granary but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. This is the word of the Lord. Praise be to God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, we lift you up because of who you are, because you are, your word says you are the way, the truth, and the life, Jesus Christ. And so, Father, we ask now that as we seek to understand the uh, complexity and the intricacy of the Advent, that you would help us to understand exactly what this idea of being prepared or preparation means. For we ask in Jesus' name, amen. So, as you can see, as was mentioned, we have entered into the holiday season, and we, we're all decorated here. But along with that, we are transitioning to our next series entitled The Advent, right? The coming, the coming of Christ. And so this morning, we'll be talking about that, the coming of Jesus Christ, now, many of you may know I was a teacher prior to, to serving as a minister. And during my years of training, um, I think with any job, honestly, uh, we would have observations or we would be observed by a superior or your boss. And so during my training, I would be, I would, uh, uh, my uh, boss would come in and, and they'd watch. And I needed to prepare for those observations, obviously. And I based my preparation for an observation on what exactly they were coming to observe. So when I was teaching, for example, if they were coming to observe me teach a science lesson, then I would prepare you know, a thorough, creative science lesson um, and make sure everything was put together, T's crossed, I's dotted. But the same thing if you have guests coming to your home. You make preparations, right? You clean the house, right? Or if you grew up in my family, you do a deep clean. <laughs> um, sometimes needed, sometimes extra, but hey, you know what mother says. So 
you prepare. You make sure your space is ready to receive, right? You prepare your home. The thing is, every significant event requires preparation, right? And each time you prepare, your preparation has a particular focus. Now, my question is for us, how do you prepare for the coming of a great king? When we talk about the advent or the coming or the second coming of Jesus Christ, how do you prepare for the coming of the king of the world? In the first three chapters of Matthew, we actually get a glimpse into heaven's preparation to send a king, right? And we see the writings of the, of the prophets, the inspired writings um, that are highlighted from the past right here in the chapter, in the first chapter of Matthew and so forth. And they're, they're, uh, they pertain to the time of the coming king. This is an aspect of divine preparation, being notified before. But we also see the lineage of Jesus Christ and all the men and women of deep faith who were chosen to be a part of the direct bloodline of Jesus Christ. You have people like King David, you have Mary, um, the mother Mary, you have Elizabeth and Zechariah, right? This choosing is an aspect of divine preparation, right? preparing to send this king. And we see one of the greatest inconceivable miracles, right, in all of Earth's history, which is a virgin bears a son, right? And this miracle of great proportions was evidence of divine preparation. God was preparing to send a king. All of this and more in order to send Jesus Christ from heaven. But the next part of the narrative is the description of the preparation necessary to receive this heavenly king, to receive Jesus Christ at his coming. So I ask the question again, how do you prepare for the coming of the king of the world? Every significant event requires preparation. So what is that? Well, the first step is to understand the focus of this particular king, right? In Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, the Bible says, she, speaking of Mary, will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. So the main focus of this particular king of Jesus Christ is not government infrastructure, right? It's not financial gain or wealth. It's not scientific discovery. It's not politics or space exploration. It's not the latest in celebrity news or fashion for us here in New York. Not that those things don't matter. It just means that's not the heart of his focus. So in order to prepare for this king, don't focus on those topics. 
For example, if I have guests coming to stay at my home and I need to prepare, I need to clean, I need to, to cook food and make sure everything is in order before they arrive, I probably am not going to focus on cleaning my car. Uh, I would focus on the space where they're staying, right? And that doesn't mean that I don't care about my car, my car doesn't matter, it's just not the main focus. And so this king, Jesus Christ, is focused on salvation from sin. Sin is a heart condition that manifests itself in our thought process and in our everyday actions, right? Knowing this tells us that the king, Jesus Christ, is focused on matters of the heart. So in order to prepare for this coming, for his coming, whether it was the first advent or whether it's the second coming, which is to come, we must focus our eyes inward to the matters of the heart. In order to prepare for the advent of Jesus Christ, understand that his focus is salvation from sin, which is actually the greatest matter of the heart. Jesus said himself, he said in Luke chapter 5, verse 32, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. The conversation about sin and repentance is really a conversation about the state of a person or the state of the heart. This idea is highlighted explicitly in the ministry of John the Baptist, who, as scripture puts it, prepared the way of the Lord, or prepared the way. Matthew chapter 3, verse 1 and 2 says, In those days, John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness of Judea, proclaiming, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Now, the common English version of the Bible reads verse two like this, a little clearer. It says, turn back to God. The kingdom of heaven will soon be here. To prepare for the coming of Jesus Christ, scripture says we must repent. Now, let's dive into a little lesson here. What does it mean to repent? What is repentance? Acts 3.19, Peter is speaking to this crowd and he says, Repent therefore and turn back that your sins may be blotted out. Turn back. Focus on those two words, to turn back. Whatever direction you are heading, go the opposite way. Repent means to change one's mind or purpose, to change the inner self. Two pilots were flying in, into a storm, and one of the pilots looked at the other and said, hey, Let's do a 360 and get out of here. That's a joke. Did you get it? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Let's do a 360 and get out of here. You know what happens if I do a 360? <laughs> hey, <laughs> I'm back. <laughs> what he meant to say was 
do a 180. Let's do a 180 and get out of here. Repentance is making a U-turn from the direction you were previously headed. And there's another part about repentance that's very, very important. You know, it's, it's hard to make changes in life. It's hard to make life changes or even change your mind if you don't feel a need to change. If you don't feel any pain or sorrow or discomfort or grief or concern for your current state. It's very hard to just change. Repentance is a sorrow for sin and a turning away from it. A sorrow for sin and a turning away from it. Repentance is a renouncing of sin in the heart and a turning away, making a U-turn in the opposite direction. Sin in the heart, it manifests, it manifests itself in a number of different ways. It could look like malice or evil intentions. It could look like envy. It could look like uh, reckless or unbridled anger. It could look like greed. It can look like dishonesty, pride, selfishness. All of that lies in the heart. These are the roots that produce the fruit of the actions in our lives. So, but how can I experience repentance, right? What if I don't feel sorry? What if I don't feel like there's any need to change? What if I don't feel like there's anything wrong? That's a reality. We are human. And we don't always see things the same way that God sees them. So that is precisely why repentance is a gift from God. It's not something that we naturally possess, this desire to turn around, this sorrow for sin, right? 2 Timothy 2.25 says, God gives repentance. Romans 2.4 says, God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance. For a believer, we understand that God is the source of true and deep inner change in our lives. And so the more we engage with Jesus, the more likely it is to experience true repentance, sorrow for sin and a turning away from it. By the person of the Holy Spirit, a desire to change or repent arises in the heart, in the life. And then after that, you get this desire, you want to change. According to 1 John 1.9, the Bible says that if we confess our sins, he, speaking of God, is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so like John the Baptist, the Holy Spirit, he, he does a work of preparation on the hearts of believers. He points out those 
flaws, those dark spots, those hidden motives and agendas in our heart. And he makes us aware of ourselves in the truest, purest, clearest light. And so then, if we don't ignore him, and we receive the revelation of our true selves, once we ask for forgiveness, God then provides a cleansing and the power for change begins to work in you. And what you'll begin to see is that the more we focus on God, the more that we learn of him and understand him, the more that his goodness and kindness, kindness leads us to inner change. To prepare for the coming of a heavenly and divine king, scripture says we must repent. And so as John the Baptist is proclaiming this message of repentance and he's baptizing people, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they start showing up, checking out what's going on. They came wondering what he was doing and by what authority he was doing it. Why are you baptizing people? Who are you? This random guy that came out of the wilderness dressed in camel's fur. <laughs> what are you doing? So John says to them, look at verse uh, 7 and 8 of Matthew chapter 3. But when he saw many Pharisees and Sadducees coming for baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers who warn you to flee from the wrath to come. Bear fruit worthy of repentance. Bear fruit worthy of repentance. What is the fruit of repentance? What does repentance produce? Mark chapter 1 verse 15 says this, repent and believe the gospel. Repent and believe the gospel, the fruit of repentance, now make sure you pocket this, is faith. Trust in God. A sorrow for sin, a turning away from it, produces faith in the believer, produces this trust in God. How does that happen? We'll explain as we go. True inner change or true repentance where one's heart becomes open to God and the, the entire being of the person is different than before, we call this conversion. The fruit of this conversion experience is faith, belief in who God is, and what he has done for you. It's an understanding that nothing we brought or nothing we can bring contributes to God's table when it comes to our salvation. It is solely his work. None of our earthly merit, none of our skill, none of our status contributes to our salvation. If you're famous on earth, that means nothing <laughs> in the scheme of heaven. The work of saving, the work of salvation rests solely on the sacrifice 
and goodness of God. And speaking of faith and repentance producing faith, it's very hard not to believe what God has said when you see the outer evidence of an inner transformation. If an individual completely changes for the better from night to day, the evidence suggests that something miraculous has happened. Now, maybe you've seen that happen to someone. Maybe you have a family member or a friend who had a spiritual encounter, had an encounter with God, and they are completely different. The person, maybe the childhood friend that you grew up with, you see them now and you're like, wow, like who is this? That happened to me. And what, what was produced was a deep-seated faith in God. It's real and it happens. The Michelle of 15 years ago, very young, but <laughs> was headed in a different direction than the Michelle of present. Completely different person. Her perspective on life, her beliefs about people, her goals for the future, her relationships, and, and her day-to-day -day behavior demonstrates that that was a completely different person. In fact, I wrote a song about the experience. It's called A New Day. You may have heard it, but I'm just going to read some of the lyric to you talking about this transformative experience. It can happen. It will happen. We can all be washed clean. It can happen. It will happen. Another chance to be reborn free. So if you see me, if you hear me, then you'll know I have life. If you see me, if you hear me, then you'll know the old has died. A new day, a new day is dawning. Through the proclamation of the message of repentance, John was calling for a transformation, for a conversion of these Pharisees and Sadducees and everyone surrounded there at the Jordan, everyone at that time, that was the way to prepare for a great king, to call for repentance, to call for transformation, to call for conversion, to call for faith. He was calling for them to believe in the gospel, believe in the power of God to save his people from their sins. True interchange in the life leads to a deep abiding faith in Jesus Christ. The fruit of repentance is faith. So what now? The Advent season is upon us and though it comes around once a year, it is a reminder to believers that if truly Jesus Christ is coming, that I should seek to make the proper preparations for such a king. Let us not be caught blinded and, and unaware 
like many at his first coming, who didn't know he had arrived, and then also when they discovered that he had, they were angry. (laughs) They were so far off. They were blinded by the darkness of their hearts. Repentance, conversion, and faith are not things confined to a particular season, such as Christmas time or the holidays, but rather for, for us, for those who believe, it's spread out over our lifetime until he comes again. And so the Holy Spirit, day by day, crafts and molds the heart of anyone who will let him in order to be prepared for the second arrival of the true king of heaven and earth. That's the preparation happening now. Day by day, God works in you, that you so that you may will and do of his good pleasure. The preparation required for the coming of Jesus Christ is a focused work and preparation of the heart. It is this work that was proclaimed at Christ's first coming, and it is this work that will prepare us for his second. So I want you to take some time, some time to reflect this holiday season and even today and ask yourself, when was the last time you saw true, genuine change in your life? Whether that was toward yourself, whether that was toward another person or people, or whether that was toward God. When was the last time you saw change in your life? And as you answer that question, I ask that you say this prayer. And you can say it with me now, or I will say it, but bow your heads. Father, show me the true picture of my heart. Please work in me to make my heart a space for your spirit to dwell in, a space that holds light, goodness, and truth. I give you permission to lead me in the process of conversion and a return back to you. May this be my experience. For we ask and pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.